Good morning, C3. Thank you so much for joining us. Church will begin in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Chris. I'm the worship leader here. If you don't know me, that's Justin, and that's Sean, and that's Derek over there. We encourage you guys to sing and worship along with us and dance with us. Yes, we can. It's now legal. Yeah. You can dance now. Derek, are you going to dance? Yeah. Oh. That's good. That's, that's a good dance right there. All right. Sing along with us. Worship with us. Ready? Jesus, lead me to your heated waters. Take me down to your heated stream. Jesus, lead me to your heated waters. Take me down and wash me clean. Many days have gone since I first loved you. No, I'm out here wandering on my own. Never have I known more that I need you than out here wandering all alone. Jesus, lead me to your heated waters. Take me down. Healing stream, Jesus, lead me to your heated waters. Take me down and wash me clean. Set me free, 
family. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Please join me now for our call to worship found in Exodus, the third chapter, 10th through the 15th verses. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you are not only with us, but you are dwelling within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for all that you have called us to do. Thank you that uh, you are all that we need today and you're all that we'll ever need in the days to come. God, help us to rest our souls in you and trust in your unfailing promises, both to your people Israel and to the church today, which is your body. You alone are worthy of all of our praise. Thank you forever and ever. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. hearts, we bend our knees, oh Spirit come make us humble, we turn our eyes from evil things, oh Lord we cast down our idols, so give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another We bow our hearts We bend our knees Oh Spirit come Turn our lives from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. 
Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. So give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks. Seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to everyone. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful Sunday morning. We're happy to be here. We're happy to be here. I'm happy, happy to be here. Me too. I'm very happy, and I'm happy that y'all have chosen to join us as well. Christopher, thank you for the, just the worship always being so great. And uh, anyway, I'm grateful. Um, I'm happy you're here. Happy to be here. Right. The music was great. Yes. And um, we're going to study... The Shema. Yes, we started last week, and uh, we did. Yeah. So uh, we have started, begun a multi-week. We don't know quite yet how many. Yes, four, five, six weeks. I don't know exactly. I'd like to get close to the summer. If we don't get to the summer, I'd like to get close to the summertime. Yeah. Uh, study mm-hmm. of this passage in Deuteronomy four. Uh, six. Six. <laughs> Deuteronomy 4 is great, too, but Deuteronomy 6 is... You should also read Deuteronomy 4. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's good, too, but Deuteronomy 6 is where we are. I'm going to put my glasses on. Or I need to run back and do some more studying. we're good, we're we're good. We're going to do chapter (laughs) 4, Lord help us. Oh, dear me. Deuteronomy 6, she (laughs) said. Yes. Um, On the Shema, and we started last week, so if you were with us last week, you heard a little bit about that. Um, Yeah, it's a... um, a it is, it's a prayer and a declaration of faith that devout Jewish people right. have lifted to the Lord every morning and every evening for 3,500 years. How about that? You think about that. Yeah, just just a declaration of what they believe about God and what they want to be true in their life, in their relationship with God. One of the things that I learned last week was that this... For the Jewish tradition, it's like the Lord's prayers for the, condition, the Christian tradition. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And last week, um, we focused on the word Shema. The first word in the 
in the passage right. where it gets its name. Which is listen. To listen. To, to hear. To hear. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. And this week, uh, we are going to focus on the word Lord. Yeah, the, the second key Hero word. Israel, the Lord. The Lord uh, uh, is your God. Right. The Lord is one. Who yeah, that the, is, yeah, Yahweh. What does that mean, the right. Lord? Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about yeah. today. Here are the verses of the Shema. Um, Deuteronomy 6, <laughs> Hooray. 4 through 6, and um, I'm going to say them. Maybe you can say them with me if you'd like. Please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words I command you today are to be on your hearts continually. Yeah. It's beautiful. You. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yes, it is. We're going to look at each of the key words in that passage, and today we're going to look at the second key word, the, the, the word, the Lord. Hero Israel, the Lord. Yeah, the Lord. Is our God. Um, so who is Obviously, that, that is uh, the name of God, uh, the Lord, and God's name, Shelley, uh, was a big deal to him, to God himself. Uh, I find it very significant that uh, the third commandment of the Ten Commandments is do not take the Lord's name in vain. Do not dishonor yeah. or lower or uh, uh, bring... Bring it down. Bring down or bring shame or, or error. Don't associate error with the name of the Lord. All that's included... And what I find extra significant is that it's the only commandment where God says, if you do that, if you dishonor my name, if you take my name in vain, I will not forgive you. Of all the Ten Commandments, none of the other ones does he say that, but the third commandment, he says, do not take the Lord's name in vain, and if you do, I will not forgive you. That's pretty serious. That is quite serious. I also, in contrast to that, the Lord takes his name very seriously, in that repeatedly he says that he is going to do things or act in certain ways toward his children, toward his people, for his namesake. Not for their sake, but for his namesake, for his reputation. He says God will lead his people for his namesake. He will forgive his people for his namesake. He will save his people protect his people, uh, deliver his people, provide for his people, defend his people. And each and that's, you know, throughout the scriptures, it says these things, these promises, but he does it motivated by his own name, for his namesake. I find that very interesting. Not only did God the Father take his name very seriously, the Lord Jesus took his Father's name yes. very seriously. Uh, when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray in Matthew 6. He says, first of all, talk to my Father, our Father who art in heaven. First first request, hallowed be thy name. Keep it holy. Father, I want your name to be kept holy, to be honored, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be, to be uh, declared in a way that it truly reflects who you are. First concern that Jesus had when That's he taught his point. disciples, of course, it's a good point. Uh, he said, hallowed be thy name, Father. I, I want your name to be hallowed. 
And in John 17, Jesus said something I thought was very interesting. He said, he said Father, I'm going to protect the people that you have given me, the children, the disciples that you have given me through the power of your name. I'm going to use the power associated with your name as the means of protecting your people. And then he finishes that verse by saying, Father, you have given me your, your name. Then your name and all that it represents, all that it means, you have placed that upon me, communicating the honor and the equality that Jesus has with his Father. It's a big deal that the Father gave Jesus his name. God's name ought to also be a big deal to us. I'm not sure that it is, but it ought to be a big deal to us. In, uh, what is it, Proverbs uh, 18, I think that's right, um, Solomon says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous will run inside of it and be safe. That there's something, as we grow in our understanding of, of what the name of God means, of its importance, of its power, there's safety. We can experience safety in our lives by growing in our understanding of the name of God. Uh, Jeremiah 10 says that no one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Um, anyone that begins reading the Bible through, as we should each year, uh, one of the things that you quickly notice in the Old Testament is that God has a lot of names, right? Um, Elohim, Adonai, Yahweh, El Roy, Jehovah, Savior, Redeemer, Angel of the Lord. And there's several dozen more, actually three or four dozen more names that the Bible would uh, use to describe uh God. Um, each name reveals uh, a different quality or attribute or specialness, if that's a word, mm. uh, about who God is. That each name would, would, would communicate uh, an emphasis on a different quality of God's person, God's character, God's priorities, and God's ways of relating to us. Um, the Old Testament would also use God's names, and I found this very interesting. God, the, the Old Testament writers also used God's different names to contrast the God of Israel from the gods of the neighboring countries around Israel, all the ites, uh, the Edomites and the Moabites and the Parasites and uh, all those the Philistines and all those all those other people groups they all had gods and the names of God in the Old Testament were were used as a way of contrasting what was true of Jehovah God and what was not true of these other gods if you will I hope that makes sense yes um, when you study the names of God like I said there's four or five dozen different names that you could look at. Uh, there's three that are the big three. You know, like when you go on a safari in Africa, there's the big seven. I think that's right. Is that the big seven? I, think that's I don't right. know. I, I have think, not yet yeah, been I think on it's the big seven. But when you study the names of God, there's the big three. Okay, and I'm going to quickly go over these with you. Um, one is Adonai. Yeah. 
And that, uh, when you look in your Bible, that's the word Lord, L-O-R-D, but it's small letters. It's not big letters. It's, it's, it's small letters. Uh, and it basically means Lord. Adonai means Lord. Um, it was a word that, that was used to, to describe God, was attributed to God, but it was also uh, used to describe anyone that was superior to someone else. A shepherd was the Adonai of his sheep. Um, the master was the Adonai of the slaves. The boss or the owner of the business was the Adonai of the workers. We still use that, the lord of the manor. Of the manor, that's exactly right. That's exactly house. right. Yeah. So it was used, uh, it was actually used 450 times to describe God as the lord, the one that was superior to others. Yeah. Right, that's what yeah. that means. Uh, so Adonai. Uh, the second word of the three that's important is the word Elohim. And uh, that literally is more the formal, official name. That means God. Elohim means God. Not Lord, but God. And it was used uh, 2,500 uh, uh, 2, times in the Old Testament. Elohim. And then the last word is the word that we really are going to focus on today the most, and that's the word Yahweh. And uh, the word uh, Adonai was used almost, not almost always, but most of the time Adonai was used to describe God in his relationship with the Gentiles. Uh, Yahweh was used exclusively to describe God's relationship with his own people. And it was used seven over 7,000 times. Now, in our Bibles, it's also translated Lord, but it's translated Lord in all caps, mm -hmm. in all capital letters, L-O-R-D, but they're all capital letters. And so that, be sure that you see the difference when it's small letters, it's talking about Adonai, a superior person to others, right, in relationship to others. But when it's talking about Yahweh, it's translated Lord, but that is a very different, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, what that means. Uh, to go back to Elohim for just a minute, the, the word that means God, that's translated God. Um, Elohim has many forms. All go back to Elohim, but there's many nuances. Um, El Elyon, that means God Most High. El Shema, which means the God who hears. El Roy, the God who sees. El Olam means the everlasting God. El Shaddai, the almighty God or all-powerful God. And then Adonai, Elohim, means the Lord God, right? So you've got these different variations uh, of these words that the, the foundational word or the fundamental word, the root word is God, but then they add other words to it to communicate special nuance or qualities right. of God. Um, when God appeared to Abraham in Genesis 12, 15, and 17, the word that he used to describe himself to Abraham was the word Elohim. I am God. Um, uh, and the, what God said about himself to Abraham was is that he is the living God and the one that created all that exists. Elohim means the living God, the one who creates all that exists. And then when God appeared to Moses in Exodus 3, uh, that was the passage that I encouraged everybody to read right. this week. 
Um, that's when God introduces himself to Moses and to the people of Israel as Yahweh. And that word God, again, defined it himself. He said that uh, I am Yahweh, I am the eternal God, the one that is self-existent, the one that self-determines, and I have no beginning and no end. Um, uh, so you've got all these different words that would be used to describe God and different attributes and qualities related to God. But what is important is that if you read even a cursory reading of God's Word in the Old Testament, you clearly see that the writers of the Old Testament, while they use different words to describe God, all of those words described the same God, the one true God Yahweh. There was not different gods. They all related to the same God, Yahweh. Um, I also found it interesting, just for people that are trying to be students of God's Word, no one in the Old Testament, the Lord Jesus or the early church, none of them denied the reality of other gods. Uh, now, we would call them other spiritual beings. We wouldn't call them gods. Many of them did. Many of them called them gods, but we would call them spiritual beings. But no one in the Old Testament, the Lord Jesus nor the early church, denied that there were spiritual beings or gods. What they would say, all of them, would say that those other gods or spiritual beings were created by Yahweh and they were all inferior to Yahweh. That, so when the Bible says that there is no God but Yahweh, there is only one God, really what the Bible is conveying is that there is one supreme God. There are no competitors. There are no equals. Um, there are other beings, but they are on a different level and they were created by God. Um, these, these gods, lesser gods, small g gods, they're real. Um, even Psalm 136 says, Give thanks to the God, Yahweh, of gods. Uh, and then that would be El is the, is the word there, small. The God is the God. Yahweh is the God of little gods. That's really, and his love endures forever. Contrasting that Yahweh, his love is different than how the lesser gods would relate to people. That's what that's talking about there. Um, all these ite countries that surrounded Israel, the, all the different Canaanite people groups, um, just, just so you know, all of them were uh, polytheistic in their religion. They had multiple gods that they worshipped. They had family gods. They had community gods. They had regional gods. They had national gods. They had multiple sometimes thousands of gods that they all worshipped. And these gods were all in, in different variations of a hierarchy. Um, they had different power. They had different authority regarding different needs and problems and even regions in which they would dwell. Um, like there were gods that were uh, had authority, according to these other countries, right. They had authority over crops, over rain. Different gods had authority over rain. Some had authority over war. Some had authority over fertility, both for people and for animals. 
Some of them had authority over illness, death. Uh, and then also some of the gods, um, they would dwell in, they would have authority in different dwelling places. Some had authority in the sky. Some had authority in the water, the seas. Uh, that's why when Jonah went into, was thrown into the sea, it was very significant that what the writer of Jonah was communicating was is that Yahweh is Lord of the sea. He's the one that commanded uh, that fish to, to swallow Jonah. He's the one that created the storm and then calmed the storm. That these are all messages here right. that it's Yahweh that is Lord of these things. Um, uh, there were some gods, according to the Canaanites' beliefs, Canaanites' beliefs that were the lords of the hills, others of the valleys. Um, and so there was a lot of, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of complicated, but... Um, the Greeks had a similar system, of course. And so did the Romans. Right. Yes, absolutely. With their variety of gods over certain things. Over, yes. And the they, home, the hearth. And then where, and then in certain lands, those gods would have authority or power, but in other lands, they wouldn't. Right. So you know, you've got all that going on. I'm speaking specifically about the gods of the Canaanite lands, right. but what was tragically consistent in their worship was there was much physical abuse, both to yourself and to others. People would harm themselves, beat themselves, cut themselves to get God's attention, to get God's pity, um, to show that God that you're sorry or you're in need, you know, to get it again, to get him to notice you. Um, there was unbelievable temple prostitution. Women would be enslaved and forced to commit acts uh, in, in the name of worship. Uh, there was incredible child sacrifice uh, that was very common and very popular. And the point of all of this is that the names of God were used to communicate that Yahweh could not have been more different. He was absolutely unique. He was a God that um, the other gods had to be pursued Yahweh did not, did not, Yahweh was the one that pursued. He came to Abraham. He came to Moses. He came to Egypt to rescue. The people weren't pursuing Yahweh. Yahweh was pursuing them. Um, Yahweh was self-revealing. People weren't seeking to discover Yahweh. Yahweh was revealing himself. Um, clearly, he was the supreme God, and no one was equal to him. Um, he was revealed. It was in, in the, the worship of Yahweh. The, uh, they believed that the Torah was the written revelation of Yahweh about Yahweh. Um, they believed in a central place of worship. You would go to the tabernacle or you would go to the temple later on. You wouldn't go to any hill or grove of trees that make that a place of worship. No, no, no. When you worship Yahweh, he had a place that yeah, you would go and worship dwelled. him. He forbade absolutely no physical abuse, no sexual abuse as a means of worshiping him. And basically the point being is that Yahweh was not a regional God. He was Lord over the Babylonians as well as the Israelites, over the Moabites as well as the Egyptians. He was Lord of the mountains. That's why when the Psalms talk about, when I look into the hills and I look into the mountains, you are there, Lord. 
He's the Lord of the hills and the mountains, of the valleys, of the storms, of the desert, of the sea, of the sky. He is Lord of all of, the, all of, of, all of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big message that the Old Testament writers were trying to communicate to its readers. Um, the, the last thing that I want to say about this is, is that when you come to the New Testament, it's incredibly important to the writers of the New Testament that we see that the, 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 the God Yahweh of the Old Testament was not different than the God that revealed himself through Jesus Christ. They were the same. The New Testament Gospels and the Apostles all agreed that Jesus was the physical embodiment of Yahweh himself. Um, the names of God in the Old Testament revealed different qualities of God. The last name of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, revealed more, uh, in a more perfect and more clear way than any other name who God was and what God was like. Let me, let me read this to you. Uh, in John 14, 9, Jesus says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus revealed the Father. Jesus revealed Yahweh. In Hebrews 1, uh, Paul says, In times past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways. But in these last days, Yahweh has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He also made the universe. And making sure there's no mistake. That's exactly that right. Mistake that, that who Christ that, is. That Christ is the physical embodiment of Yahweh, God's nature, God's attributes, God's values. The New Testament would, would declare were best revealed and explained by watching the life of Jesus and listening to the words of Jesus. If you under, want to understand the holiness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God. I'm not sure that I really understand what those different attributes of God look like or mean or how they work. Study the life of Jesus. Yeah. That's where you'll get that. God chose to become a person so that he could help people understand who he is, what he's like, and what he's passionate about. Now, have just a little history lesson or, or theology lesson, I guess, on what the, the name of God means in the Old Testament. Um, what are the takeaways? Well, there's two that sort of jump out at me, and I want to be real quick with these, and I'd love for you to help me with this. But one of the takeaways from studying this this week that, that really impacted me was this. Go back to the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one, or the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and strength. And let these words that I am commanding you today be on your heart continually. Do you see the connection between knowing God, loving God, and relating to God and letting God's commands be continually on your heart. If we're ever going to know God, 
If we're ever going to love God, if we're ever going to trust God, if we're ever going to treasure God, the way, the most important and primary way that we learn to know and love and treasure and trust God is by letting God's commands, God's words, God's light, God's truth rest upon our hearts and our minds continually. Yeah, so that when we're, it's like a practice, isn't it? So like when we are um, tempted or when we uh, have a, a lack of faith, that even just this, which is not just, but that is, that's there. Yes. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Love the Lord your God. Yes. With all yes. your heart, yes. with all your soul, with all your strength. Yes. And keep that on yes. your, you know, on your breath and on your heart continually. Yes. I mean, it, it's, it's active. Yes. And it gives us something to do. Yes. And that is to focus on the commands of God. These words that I have commanded you today, let them be continually on your heart. Yes, we can experience and learn about God through prayer. Yes, we can experience and learn about God in nature. Yes, we can experience and learn about God through the journeys and the writings of other Christians. But the primary way that the Old Testament declares that we get to know and understand and love and trust and treasure God is by letting the commands of God, the words of God, dwell heavily and continually upon our minds and our hearts. I just think that's an important uh, truth, principle, that we need to really uh, embrace. The second takeaway that... that really impacted me this week is you cannot read the Old Testament and not be convinced that the writers of the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, the nation of Israel when they were healthy, they were convinced that Yahweh was not just a great God among other great gods. He was not a part of a bigger pie of truth, and he brought his peace while the other gods of other cultures brought other truth. That is not, you might believe that to be true, and our culture would try to convince you that uh, all religions have equal value, uh, equal substance. They all have different parts of the truth, and we should not view our relationship with God, our beliefs, as better than others. I want to tell you, uh, the Old Testament would declare that there is no one like Yahweh, that Yahweh is superior to other to all other gods. Listen to what Joshua says in Joshua 24. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose today, this day, who you will serve. The gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites that live in this land where you're now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the context is, I'm going to serve the God that is superior, that is above all other gods. Isaiah said this, this is what the Lord is, I'm sorry, this is what the Lord, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty says, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him declare what happened in the past. Let him declare declare what is yet to come. 
Is there any God like me? No, there is no other rock that I know, not one. And then the, the emphasis is on rock. There is no rock for you to run to for refuge, to run to for stability, to run to, to for, uh, uh, for protection. Um, in Exodus 15, the Bible declares, Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And then in Deuteronomy 3, Moses says, Sovereign Lord, you've begun to show us your greatness, your strength that you have for us. You, your, the strength for, what, uh, strength for what God is there in heaven and on earth. Who can do the deeds and the mighty works that you do? And Isaiah 46 says, Remember, I am God and there's no other. I am God and there is none like me. And I could go on and on and on with these verses that declare Yahweh is not one good path. Yahweh is not one good option. Yahweh is not someone that brings important pieces to the puzzle. Yahweh is the puzzle. He is the pieces. And if we are going to experience Life as we were created to experience, both on this earth and later on, we need to give our lives to the true God, the God that has no beginning or end, the God that is the truth, the God that will never betray us or let us down or forget about us, the God who created everything, including us. Anything you want to add? No, no. Um I know I get a little carried away, but <laughs> well, it's just, important. I mean, it's the most believe, important. If thing. you believe that the Bible is true, and you believe that God is speaking to us through His Word, there is no message that the Bible declares more powerfully or consistently than there is no God like Yahweh God, All and that that God was manif- was revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. All other gods, He He. He asks us, go ahead and compare them. Yes. Go and ahead and who's see. who's superior. Yeah. It's like that taste and see. Go yeah. and see who's superior and then choose. That the which super- is superior. You know, and yes. it's a, it's a yes. real act of faith in our yes. day. Yes. Um, because many things are offered as gods. But isn't yes. that exactly what you just preached? Yeah. It was a true act of faith in that day as well. It's yes. always been that. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay, hmm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your strength. And let the words that I am commanding you today be on your heart continually. May it be so. Amen. Let's celebrate the Lord's Supper. Yahweh, the Bible declares came to this earth 2,000 years ago in the form of a man named Jesus Christ. And he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could know God and experience his forgiveness and love and be adopted into God's family. And he died on a cross and rose from the grave. And he said, when you gather together, take bread and wine and eat and drink and remember how much I love you. And remember what I did on the cross to prove that love and give thanks. So let's do that.
May the Lord bless you and protect you and smile upon you and be gracious to you. May He show you His favor and fill you with His wonderful, wonderful peace. Thank you for being with us. We love you. Bless you. Amen. Let our foundation be built on your majesty. Let every word you speak fill this home. Jesus, our cornerstone, the anchor for our souls. Your glory will be shown by our love. And as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve you. We will serve you. And as for me and my house, there's no turning back now. We will serve you. We will serve you. We stand on holy ground. This is where lost get found. Your goodness all around is pouring now. Your presence is new wine. The old is left behind. There's nothing but but as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve you. We will serve you. And as for me and my house, there's no turning back now. We will serve you. We will serve you. This is a house where idols fall. This is a house where dead men walk. This is a house where freedom calls. Can you hear it now? Hear it now. This is a house where idols fall. This is a house where dead men walk. This is a house where freedom calls. Can you hear it now? Hear it now. Oh. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve you. We will serve you. And as for me and my house, there's no turning back now. We will serve you. We will serve you. Thanks again for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. You guys come back next Sunday. We're on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, right? Did I say that right? I think so. I think I've said 9.30 before. That's wrong. Come on, 10.15. One week I said 9.30. Everybody came early. <laughs> like, where is this church at? We meet at 10.15. Also at the Botanic Gardens, come see us. Come dance with us and worship with us. And we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.